Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Freed from Feminism. My name is Teresa. And I am Beth. And today we are talking about politics and political parties, but mostly how they intersect um, and conflict with our beliefs about feminism and where we go from there and all that lovely uh, controversial stuff, which seems to be our cup of tea here, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> yep. So we tweeted out uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess now. Yeah, we're not we're not really podcasters that, that like jump on the news. <laughs> You know, this happened like two weeks ago and we're talking about it Yeah, a little delayed. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, we've better things to do, okay? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Daily Wire, which I'm sure you guys have heard of, but if you haven't, is a conservative um, slash libertarian um, news and commentary organization uh, started and headlined by Ben Shapiro. And they did this backstage show, which basically commented on the um, congressional address that Biden did, uh, I guess, almost three weeks ago now. And at the very end of their show, um, they started talking about something very interesting. And Beth sent it to me. I, I didn't listen to it, but Beth sent it to me and I listened and it. It was both fascinating and also, like, enraging <laughs> to the point of, okay, we've got to talk about this a little bit. Um, and it's like a six-minute dialogue, so we unfortunately we can't, um, like, excerpt it in to our, our podcast here. So we'll do our best to kind of describe the conversation and tell you the gist of what they were talking about. One of the gentlemen on there called Jeremy Boring, which they call him the God King of the Daily Wire. I don't know what that means. I think he may be like the COO or CEO of the actual business. I had never heard of him before, you know, listening to the Daily Wire stuff. But um, he brings up what he says will be a very unpopular subject. And. He basically says that there are millions of desperately unhappy Christian women in this country because we are doing them the disservice of telling them to be stay-at-home wives and mothers, specifically those with, like, only one or two kids the ages of attending, like, preschool, you know, maybe five, six, something like that. So basically he says... If you have one or two children and if you send them to school, you need to work. He argues that the Industrial Revolution basically did away with the quote unquote job of a housewife. And so we should be working instead of sitting at home watching soap operas all day. Yep. You know, and I've heard this kind of opinion elsewhere, too, and I'm sure you all have, too, even if you didn't listen to this, this idea that there is no value staying at home unless you have kids. Like, there's there's the people who are, like, you know, completely 
against women at home. And then there's the people who are like, well, if that works for you, that's cool. That sounds like a great job. And then there are people who are like, you can't like if if your kid is going to school and you're at home, you there's nothing else for you to do. Um, that there's there's literally no value in being a stay at home wife. I guess you could put it that way. Being a stay at home wife is not valuable, but only being a stay at home mom, um, which we would disagree with because <laughs> <laughs> of many reasons. Um, but we found that this is like a popular opinion in um, the political world um, and that the political not in just one party. Yeah, like, start off, right? Democrats, like, it's not even, like, there's no hope there um, <laughs> for, for a Christian. So you leave that behind, and then you turn to the Republican Party. Um, and I myself am sometimes like, oh, I'll get a little news fix um, just to kind of hear. And, and the best kind of resource to hear it from is the particularly a little bit more conservative outlet, right? So you turn to places like these people or others um, who are out there who tend to be a little bit more conservative or Christians themselves. Uh, but then you find amongst these people that there's still that uh, that mindset of of work and money as being the primary goal in life and mainly the primary parenting goal, like to achieve success in parenting is to make sure your kids work hard. They're going to go to college. They're going to graduate. They're going to get great jobs. And now you have the bragging rights and your kid is not some lazy scoundrel laying in your basement at age 30, not working. Like to them, that's like, there's only one option, right? Your kid's going to, there's two options there. Your your kid's either going to grow up and be, you know, successful in um, career or they're going to be lazy uh, and they don't really even look at this in-between world, especially for females. I think there's no even distinguishing between a male and a female there. Um, oh, yes. It's all like you're, all the children are going to grow up like this. Uh, and it's, it's sad to see. Um, I, we looked it up beforehand. Uh, you know, we, we don't mean this as like a personal attack on him or anything. It's just this opinion. Um, but typically I see this opinion from the baby boomer generation and he's not even baby boomer. So it's interesting yeah. that it just has it's bled through all these generations. Um, and I think that they're trying to combat the Democratic idea that like, oh, I, I see the complaints. I'm sure you all heard about it. You know, people on welfare and you know lazy bums, um, government's paying them. And then you, you'll hear those complaints. But. So they think, oh, well, you just, everybody's just got to get a job and work hard. But th- this, to me, is contrary to the Christian life. Like Our goal in life should be our salvation and praise and worship of our God and teaching our children the same. And if you raise your kid like that, they're not going to be lazy. They don't want to be slothful because that's a sin. They're going to try their hardest not to be like that. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. they're going to have all these other, you know, good morals and good virtues to make them a holy person um, through the Christian life rather than just thinking I better work hard because uh, otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? I think your point about this being about materialism, capitalism, um, about wealth creation basically is such an important one because that I think is, is the crux of it the crux of at least the political aspect of it. 
Um, the real crux of it to me is more of a people do not understand the innate value of personhood today. They just don't both men and women, mm-hmm. the innate dignity that each person has and they're the, the innate dignity that each vocation brings you. We just don't understand that. And I guess I shouldn't expect non-Catholics to understand this, but um, it gets to such a fundamental level of how a society works that, I mean, let's, let's try to, let's try to talk about it a little bit more because he, it's very interesting because he goes on, you know, the other guys on the, the panel kind of try to step in and kind of save the moment because you can tell it was very it was funny like you could tell once he said that the room dropped they were like what (laughs) what did you just say let's bring this back to our audience a little bit about like you know oh absolutely you know the proverbs 31 woman is very industrious and but and you're totally right the industrial revolution took away the you know, the, the wonderful vocation of, of housewife and mother, etc. And that's to our detriment. So you have like three or four guys saying that. Jeremy interrupts them and says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. He says women should not stay at home and not work. Basically, we shouldn't burden Christian women with the idea that staying home alone doing nothing makes you virtuous. God expects everyone to work. So let's get away. Let's 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 address exactly what he's talking about first, about this incredible red herring argument that stay at home wives or mothers who send their children to school or don't have any children are not working. Yeah. I think it's a stereotype uh, <laughs> right there that they're it, doing nothing. Like, is it though? That like, they're just watching TV. But I'd counter that because I think that even if, okay, let's say you're a stay-at-home wife and you, um, let's say you do everything the old-fashioned way, right? He's getting on the Industrial Revolution, right? They've taken it away. Well, let's say you you have a garden and you're growing your own food and you're canning your own food and you're, I don't know, scrubbing floors with a toothbrush. It takes you so long. It takes you the whole day, right? Okay, let's say that's you. I think that the majority of the conservative party would still look down on you because they would say you're not being productive enough in society or you should at least sell your canned goods or something like that rather than looking at it as that woman right there would be an extremely virtuous woman. What if she's saying the Jesus prayer as she scrubs the floor with a toothbrush all day and she worked so hard in her garden and canning, canning food that she's now provided good, healthy food for her and her husband. And let's say she has children at school, you know, the children too, but that's not, they, they wouldn't even accept that. That woman would be extremely hardworking, probably more hardworking than if she was a receptionist, not to, you know, dig on receptionists, but you're not really doing a lot of like work work when you're just sitting there answering the phone, you know? Well, but Um, see that that's, that's the point that needs to be made to him right there. Yeah. Like, first of all, I don't accept the premise at all whatsoever. 
I think he lives in L.A. And I think the stay-at-home wives and mothers he knows are like 0.0001 of the world's population. Mm -hmm. I do not believe for a moment that stay-at-home wives and mothers who have one to two children who go to school or are, you know, just newly married or even just childless. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't believe you guys sit at home and do nothing all day. I certainly don't. I have two children, one, one in, uh, I'm about to have one in utero right now. I can, I can, from my perspective, I do not do nothing all day long. Like it's so, it's so insulting. And I, I feel like that could be literally where he lives. Maybe, maybe, you know, if, if if your only encounter with stay-at-home wives and mothers is like, you know, someone who would be on a reality show, well, perhaps, yeah. Okay, yeah. I would suggest you go to Oklahoma for a couple of years. <laughs> I would suggest you pay a visit to Indiana or Florida or Texas <laughs> or Tennessee or something yeah. to to kind of get to know what a normal stay-at-home wife and mother does. But that being said, your ultimate point is absolutely the right. It does not matter. It does not matter if we listed out what we did. Mm-hmm. If, if a homesteader wife and mother listed out what she did every day from the moment she woke up to the moment she went to bed, it would not be enough. Yeah. Because you're completely right. We are not of utilitarian value to the society we live in. Yeah. We don't bring, we don't bring home a, a paycheck. We don't, you know, send emails all day long, which again goes to your point of the secretary. I, I want to know what all of these people do all day. That was different than me when I was in my career. Because yeah. you know what I did a lot of the day? I sat down and sent emails. Sent emails. <laughs> that was my quote unquote productivity. Yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me that that is more valuable to our society than a mother who, let's not even say a homesteader. Let's just say a woman who bakes cookies for the PTA. Let's say she cleans her house while her children's children are in in school. Let's say she She volunteers while she volunteers while her kids are in school. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't I I don't mean to dig on like the jobs that you do sit there and send emails, (laughs) but because you you yourself can, you know, if that's your job, can totally um find ways to like you can pray the jesus prayer as you sit there and read your emails you know but um the the point is like we use it as an example to show the hypocrisy and their whole argument that you have to be productive and you gotta work hard um Mm -hmm. productive according to what they consider productive they're setting this standard of productiveness and to them that's whatever advances the economy Mm-hmm. not yes. the cultural society, not their ultimate goal, which is sad to say, because we, we hear this even from Christians, that, that the ultimate goal is not virtues, is not holiness. It's 
hard work. And oh my word, yes. Without with the the vacuum in the washing machine, we no longer have any you know hard work for the wife at home. Um, when in reality, it's I mean it's it is just so contrary to what we should be doing as Christians because even okay even if the woman just sat at home and prayed the whole time because the modern amenities have taken care of the chores for her like it would still be frowned upon but it shouldn't be frowned upon because that's you know like I mean I'm sure the husband wants to sit at home too maybe you can find a way to pray as well and 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 have all of their their needs taken care of but that's my point being it's not Actually, hard work isn't everything. <laughs> that is another amazing point. That's another amazing point. Because guess what she would be doing? She would be doing exactly what a cloistered nun does. Yeah. Basically, what they are saying in this conversation, well, one person, one to two people in this conversation, are saying they are not worthy. They are not productive. They need to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praying is not productive work to them. Well, and then it's an amount of work, too. Like, there's this sort of, like... How much is enough? Yeah, how much is enough? Like, oh, I'm not doing enough, enough, enough. And, like, even cloistered nuns will engage in some form of work, but they know, like, work has its time, and prayer also has its time, and, you know... Yeah. Maybe if we could just round out this political conversation with kind of the ultimate political point that at least I wanted to make um, is, you know, it was enraging that he, <laughs> that this opinion is held, you know, like this, this, this is the ideology like laid before you, the bare bones ideology of republicanism, capitalism, etc. of you are what you earn kind of, kind of way of living and it is every day proven more and more true um, by people in that political party. And it's, you know, I mean, there's there's so many examples we could give. One is the GOP tweeted out like um, a week ago or something. They basically they were they were upset at Biden because one point five million U.S. mothers have fallen out of the workforce due to covid. And they're staying at home to take care of their children because schools have not reopened. And they were upset at my Biden because of this. Yeah. <laughs> it goes like, to prove the point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, and then again, we could, another example is just the whole pro-life feminism movement in the conservative Christian community. These ideologies cannot mix guys they can't like you can't add or subtract anything from Catholicism from Christianity. It just doesn't work. So I, it was actually really releasing to me to hear that because it's even more to hear this conversation at the daily wire. That is because it's just more of a um, confirmation to me that Christians really are political orphans right now. Which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because then guess where we go? Where we should have gone at the very first moment of our lives and never left. The only organization that my family belongs to and ever will fully support and embrace is a Catholic church. 
And that's, that is, it's scary in some ways, like, cause, you know, Christ said you will be persecuted, but it's also really wonderful because it detaches you from all these ideologies that at least I, and maybe it's because I was in politics, but at least I held way too dear, <laughs> like yeah. way too close to my heart. And, um, so to me, it's, it's actually really free. And I hope it is for anyone who's listening to this of like, you know, okay, maybe the conservative party can be more conservative, um, with regards to pro-life stuff in certain states, but even then sometimes they're not that impressive on the pro-life stance. So it's just like, you know, okay, where are we going to put our allegiance yeah, I know where I'm going to. So, do yeah, you have any a, last comments on that? That was reminding me. I had um, I like to listen to the Orthodox priest, Father Stephen Allen, and I had to remind myself too when I try to get these little news fixed because it's kind of interesting to know what's going on in the world. But to so what you said, his his point, and I paraphrase, is like we look for these. We think, oh, well, this person agrees with me, and even when they do, it, I mean, to what end is is being involved in all this politics getting us right and normally these commentaries are just you know getting y'all excited and angered about something in society you know um and they're never uh, politics in general are not going to be um good uh for your salvation and for your soul they're not riching and fulfilling um, so yeah and if it has not proven that if his point has not been proven in the last year and a half, I don't know what is because everything can be taken away from you so quickly mm-hmm. now of both parties that it, this kind of this last year of COVID has kind of distilled what is really important in life, which is a great blessing, I think. And mm-hmm. it goes to his point of, a lot of this politics stuff is just not worth the mental and spiritual anguish it'll put you through. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But yes, let's go on to what you definitely were anxious to talk about um, is what, what do we do all day long? What is, what is the, (laughs) what is the beauty and, and practical life of a stay-at-home wife and mother, just for if those are curious out there. I do not expect Jeremy Waring to ever listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, like we said, it's not against him. It's against this opinion no, we've heard from, of course from him and from others. Everyone. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from this society at large. He just mm-hmm. he was just the, the, the main voice of it. Well, I, I think in... in it would be good to note the differences between having a kid and not having a kid at home. And the age of the kid is going to vary, but by having just a little one, um, I mean, I, I'd like to think, uh, that every little thing I do for my kid is helping, um, nourish him and, and helping him to, uh, grow up and, you know, be a good Christian because, um, I had a mom had said this to me once and it was so encouraging. Just the idea that you're going to turn around and be right there. If something happens, you know, at the mm. moment, you know, your kid needs something for you. You're there to address the need. 
Uh, and that is so empowering to your kids. It just, it helps in these years, like their little brains are growing, like <laughs> they're growing so, so much. And we sort of expect them to just already have it all together, even if they've only been on this earth for, you know, a couple of years. <laughs> um, <laughs> so some of just the, in the meaning in my work at home is just that knowing like, well, I'm here in case the little guy needs anything, you know, exactly, <laughs> um, to yeah. enjoy the day with him, play hide and seek. We've really been into hide and seek recently, <laughs> like his version of hide and seek, which is not, <laughs> there are no rules to it. They're just a bunch of hiding and giggling. Um, but oh. <laughs> I know, <it's> precious. <laughs> um, but then well, also I feel like I have the energy to be at home. Like, okay. Even if I didn't have a kid, just being at home, you have the energy and the time to do things for your home, like making your home yes. a place you want to be, like yes. making it beautiful. And even if you don't have any money, just like being there and making it a good thing. Actually, I'd heard Absolutely. recently on the Suzanne Venker show where she had mentioned that like her cat was on a chair or something like that and was getting fur all over the place or on a blanket or something like that. And she said, cause she was at home, she knew she could just, you know, shoo the cat away. Um, so that the chair, the blanket or whatever didn't get too hairy and they didn't have to worry about picking it up later. Um, and she was like, women are so good at doing these things. Like men aren't going to notice that, but women will notice that and they'll keep the home together like that. They can, you know, take care of those little things. And I thought it was such a great example. Um, because I thought that, that is exactly what it is. You know, you have the time to prepare things at home and, and to make a home cooked meal for your husband when he gets off of work and, and stuff like that. So that's usually what I, um, try to busy myself with. And as my child's gotten older, I found I, myself to have a little bit more free time. So we've been trying to garden. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So that's been fun. The little one also likes to help garden, which is really adorable. Aww. It's a little hose in the <laughs> uh, in the garden bed. Um, well, and as you're talking, it reminds me of something you've said in the past, a book you've mentioned. I think it's mm -hmm. called Being There. Is that right? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And doesn't she, I haven't read it, but I remember you talking about it. And doesn't she mention something like, you know, even if you aren't doing anything, which is never the case, but even if you're not just being there for your husband and child, child or children, there's something really, truly important and important on all levels, emotional, spiritual, mental, psychological to the child, specifically when they're really young. Yeah. And also as they grow. Um, isn't, is that not the case? No, that's totally true. The whole brain development I mentioned, she's super scientific in the book about your kid under the age of three is learning how to regulate their emotions, right? They're learning what they're supposed to, how their brain is supposed to react when something wrong goes on. Is it panic? It's that fight or flight, you know, panic. Uh, I need to do something about it. Or is it deep breaths, I'm okay, mommy's here, right? That's what they're learning at that time. So, yeah, even if you're not doing, like, physically productivity at home, um, like we said, if you have all the modern amenities and it takes, it's a breeze to get through all of them. But um, one last point there, even when I mentioned the just general housework, I've been 
personally trying to remind myself these I feel like the chores per se chores laundry and dishes are frowned upon like they're just oh gotta do them but looking at them as like this is my job I, I shall be cheerful while I do these you know <laughs> or try to be cheerful <laughs> while I do these yeah. and just you know thinking like oh this is just life I mean I think if you look at them as a chore or as a uh, getting in the way of my life because I gotta yeah. go wash all these pots and pans but rather just the dishes need to be washed. I shall wash them right now. You yeah. know, uh, I think it just <laughs> changes your outlook on it. Um, so anyway, especially if you used old tenses of English, I yeah. shall go. I shall go. <laughs> Shan't I? <laughs> uh, I like to do that when I think uh, my husband, I had this little thing when our kid was, when our kid was real young, I would cry. We would use like tenses like that. Like, Mother, I hunger, <laughs> I thirst, <laughs> I demand your presence immediately. <laughs> it's fun to talk about that. Oh my anyway, goodness! I'm well, really there you curious go. about your experience, especially because you stayed home while you were pregnant with your first, um, and you know what that was like. I'll talk about maybe my experience up until she was born, just to talk about you know, stay-at-home wives, you know, he kind of, or the ideology, I'll stop picking on Jer- Jeremy, but boring here, but um, the ideology says that if, again, if you're just staying at home, you are really not doing anything for society. And um, what did, do we do? If we don't have children yet, and we're wives staying at home, not working um, in an actual, you know, a job, getting mm-hmm. a paycheck outside of the home. Well, I mean, we could go into the practical things, cleaning, volunteering, mm-hmm. having a spiritual life, praying, um, going to mass, helping elderly grandparents, helping parents, um, babysitting, perhaps. Oh, yeah. But I actually want to talk a little bit about the importance of just being a wife to your husband, because we have such beautiful examples of couples, childless couples, actually, in the last um, hundred years or so, who led gorgeous, beautiful, important, meaningful lives together without children. The, the people that come to mind most vividly to me are the Hildebrands. Mm-hmm. Dietrich and Alice von Hildebrand never had children and they, yes, she worked outside of her home, but clearly her main purpose in life was to be the soulmate and the, the helper and the best friend and the wife to Dietrich. And their example is so beautiful because it's through that sacrament that we are saved. Like that is, that is the way to God for us. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing. It is so beautiful. And it's so dismissed. I feel in, Mm. in our society, we talk about unhappy marriages a lot. Well, let's talk about the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be a chore to make your husband a sandwich. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a chore to like go with him to a baseball game or something that's not up your alley or do something or watch a UFC fight or, you know, read him a book that you're totally not interested in. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just a utilitarian arrangement. It can be so beautiful. So what I would say to the ideology that that kind of dismisses this relationship is being there for your husband is just as important and more important in some cases than being there for your children. Because through that relationship, any children that may come from that union will benefit from that relationship. Like the happiness and the fulfillment of that marriage is going to not only affect your children, but their children and their children in your community at large. And, oh, and by the way, it's the way to your happiness on this earth and building God's kingdom here on earth for you to enjoy. So I think the little things that we do, the little practical things like making sandwiches and meal planning and, Mm -hmm. like you said, making your home beautiful, that's what I spent my time doing before my daughter was born. I made my house as beautiful as I could, spending basically no money with just stuff that I had. And it was such a wonderful, beautiful time because even though we were really strapped for money, it felt a little bit like um, that movie that we just talked about on our previous episode. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. Mary and George, when they first got married, you know, the, the leaking ceiling and stuff like <laughs> we, we didn't have a leaking ceiling, but, <laughs> you know, it felt like we're on this adventure together. Mm-hmm. You know, we are going out into this wonderful adventure of life in a sacramental way. And it was just it was really beautiful. And so that's what I would say is the virtues that you can that you can obtain through the sacrament of marriage and the, the beauty and value inherent in that union is what is not only just valuable to society, it will make or break your society. Mm-hmm. Period. If you don't have good marriages, you don't have good families. Mm-hmm. You don't have good communities. You don't have good nations. Yeah. Yeah. And all that work the wife's doing at home, it's all, it, it, the, it's going to turn up in society through children and through her love and service to her husband because her husband is the one physically going out there. But knowing that his that he has this wife at home to provide for and uh, a beautiful home and that's comfy and loving and he can have his good dinners at night and breakfast is made. These are all things that are going to help him. And in turn, help the wife and, and her service to him and, and, and his service um, out in the world. Yeah. So. Absolutely. By by becoming better wives, we help our husbands become better husbands. Mm-hmm. And if you make your home a loving, inviting, wonderful, accepting place for your husband to come back home to, how, how much better of a professional is he going to be? Yeah, it's so true. You being there to support him in his career makes a big difference, you know, rather than you trying to support. And they think, oh, well, you can just work. It's it, having 
the wife devoted to helping her husband in his career makes a big difference, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I agree with everything you said about the children. Like, it's inexpressibly important to have the mother and the father, but we're not even in the society where that's possible now, almost, Mm -hmm. unless he works at home. But, like, it's inexpressibly important to have the mother there for both practical, like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, to just be there if he, he or she falls to pick them up. It's you picking them up, not a daycare worker, Mm -hmm. but also just mentally, they don't feel abandoned if, you know, they, they're scared or they're sad or they're anxious during school or daycare or wherever. And they're comforted or not comforted by, you know, a teacher that's not related to them. Yeah. That doesn't have any real investment, true investment into their lives. So, yeah. I could really go on about that with the children and how we downplay their needs. Like literally people nowadays think you just need, oh, just feed them, give them some toys. Yeah. You know, but your kids, they they don't wake up and they they just they expect mom and dad to be there, you know, and they don't have any, you know, like all day. They're just wanting to play and play is a good thing, like to learn. That's helping them grow their brains. It's helping them. Um, develop themselves and, and learn about this world. And, and those are all good things. And we just think, oh, well, somebody else can watch my kid as, as they play with the toy, you know, and not thinking of it as the interaction and the love and the, and the beauty of, of the child growing and, and the parent being there for them. Exactly. Even if you just have one or two. Yeah. Cause that, even if you, yeah, that's just a good point. one or two. It is one or two souls created by God Almighty to be taken care of by you. That's a super good point. Like, even if you just had one and you spent the entire time with that child through their life and, you know, helped them, nourished them, that's this incredibly it shouldn't be like oh well you had extra time you should have gone to work no like what the work you were doing there is beautiful you don't need 10 children to do the same work you know yeah all right well if you feel like a political orphan these days (laughs) listening to the news like at least i do i will just say don't feel discouraged we have we know where our hope is we know where our true allegiance lies you know politics is always going to be politics there is nothing new under the sun you know it's um it's actually really refreshing to just not engage in it it is yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it it makes it easier to focus on um you know, the little, the little and big people in your life that really need you. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. I hope this was an interesting episode for you. Just to kind of let y'all know, we have a very exciting new interview happening in the next two or three weeks. It's planned uh, that we're going to record the episode around the 1st of June. So look for it shortly after that not going to say the name because just in case it falls through, (laughs) but it is someone we are super excited about 
who is um, a very big advocate for Our Lady and for the Middle Ages and everything. And so we're very excited to speak with her. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review while you're there, if you do not mind. And uh, make sure you get that notification when we issue that, hopefully the first week of June. Hope everybody has a great day. Thanks for listening.